0: We welcome you to Bible class this morning, and we welcome our listening audience as we continue our Bible study of the book of Romans. And today we're going to start at Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Verse 12. And I found a handy dandy Greek app that I don't have to carry books anymore. All right, through this, therefore, Sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin. And so, death passed on to all men, because all men sin. Now, there's a lot to talk about there. And I want to start with the whole concept that we're going to be talking about today, which is what is called the second Adam. The second Adam. The first Adam we know about. But Jesus came to be called, because of these verses, the second Adam. So, The first Adam did not do anything he was supposed to do. The second Adam did everything he was supposed to do. These verses will contrast that. And Jesus is then called the second Adam. Now, let's talk about these verses. Um, The first thing it says is that sin came into the world. And I wanna take a moment to look at a verse, another verse from Romans. And it's in uh, chapter eight. Because when it says it came into the world, it's talking about more than just man, mankind. It's talking about the whole world. It's talking about creation. So this is a verse that we'll talk about later from uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. All right. When sin came into the world, it corrupted more than human beings. It cre- uh, corrupted the whole creation. That's why Adam is told the ground is cursed too. Because sin infected the whole world. There weren't any weeds in the garden of Aden until Adam sinned. There weren't any thorns and thistles until Adam sinned. There wasn't any such thing as hurricanes and tornadoes and floods. There wasn't any of that in God's perfect creation. Sin brought that corruption. Not only the corruption of the creation, the corruption of us, our bodies. God had created creation... To last forever. With the corruption, everything was corrupted, including our human bodies. There was no sickness before. No sickness. No disease. So when it says sin came into the world, it's not talking about just human sin. It is the corruption of all creation. So uh, that's an important point to remember. Now, before we move on, let's talk for a moment about death. We talk about death in three ways as presented in the scriptures. There is physical death, spiritual death, and eternal death. Physical death, we know what that is. Okay? We know what that is. Spiritual death is something that we're told about in other parts of Scripture, and it actually entails, um, we do not understand the things of God. So when Adam sinned, he did not understand the things of God. Let me read you this verse from 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural person, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. When you're born into this world, you do not understand the things of God. In fact, you don't want to understand the things of God. You want anything to do with God. That's spiritual death. That's spiritual death. Eternal death is hell. So what kind of death is he talking about here? All of them. All of them. There was no spiritual death in Adam and Eve when they were created. Certainly no eternal death, and they weren't going to die physically. And then he warned them not to eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day you have eat of it, you will die. Okay? But here's the thing about death. Death defines life. Because one of the things that we have to deal with every day of our life that we cannot escape from is the fact that we're going to die and we don't know when. And that taints all of life. It taints all of life. It makes us feel like we've got to do more does that sound familiar to earn acceptance maybe to try to break out of death but it taints our whole life now that changes when you come to faith in Jesus Christ but the natural person born into this world is going to die physically They are already dead spiritually, and they're going to die eternally. And how does this death come? Through sin. Okay? Through sin. And Paul is basically arguing, we know death has come to all men because... All men sin. It has to be that way. The wages of sin is death. Okay? It applies to everybody. Nobody is exempt. They' always you know you always hear people talk about how with original sin, how do you know a baby has original sin? Can they die? They've got it. The only argument you need. The only argument you need. If they weren't sinful when they were born into this world, they wouldn't die. So death has come to all because all sin. So... Um, It's come into the world. It's corrupted the whole world. It's it's sin, okay? And it's because of sin. Now, everybody with me on that? Okay, it's kind of a full verse. Full verse. All right, now. For, without the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not credited where there is no law. All right, don't think that everybody before God gave Moses the law was off the hook it was off the hook. That's not the case. sin was in the world, but the law had not yet been given. So the sinful heart was already there, but they were not specific transgressions against the law because the law hadn't been given. And just because There were no official transgressions against this law or that law. Sin was still here. And therefore, death was still here. But sins are not accredited. In other words, unless there's a law, they're transgressing. Which leads us to 14. For death reigned. From Adam until Moses. And upon all those who sinned, even though it was not in the likeness of the transgression of Adam. Okay. In other words, they sinned, but it was not just like the sin of Adam. Adam's transgression. Notice it says transgression, not sin. Sin the transgression of Adam was against a specific commandment of God. Don't eat of that tree. They transgressed that commandment. It's the only one they had. Only one they had. He transgressed that commandment, and even though Those that lived between Adam and Moses were not sinning, eating the tree, fruit of that tree. They were still sinful, even though they had not sinned like Adam. That's what the verse is saying. They had not sinned like Adam. They had not transgressed that one commandment, but sin was still there sin was still there. And let's... uh, Sin was still there. Not like the transgression of Adam. Who is the type or pattern of one to come? That's a mouthful. How many of your translations say type? How many say pattern? Okay. We're going to talk about that for a little bit. In theology, there is a study called typology. Typology is... Taking what happened in the Old Testament and seeing in that the foreshadowing or prefiguring of Christ. Foreshadowing or prefiguring of Christ. Now, let me give you some examples. Moses was the mediator between God and the children of Israel. Jesus Christ is the mediator between God and the children of God. Moses was a type of Christ. King David was the king of Israel and defeated all Israel's enemies. Jesus Christ is the king and defeats all our enemies, is a type of Christ. The high priest Aaron going into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement to sprinkle the blood of the Lamb is a type of Christ because only Aaron could go through that curtain once a year Jesus Christ went through that curtain as our high priest and sprinkled his blood over the altar. And what happened when he died? The temple curtain was torn in two. Now we can go into the throne room of God. So Aaron the high priest was a type of Jesus Christ. The whole sacrificial system of Israel, all the sacrifices, were a foreshadowing of the ultimate sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, of Jesus Christ. This is typology. Seeing that God is foreshadowing what Christ was going to do in what happened in the Old Testament. Testament, okay? That's typology. Now, let me ask if there are any questions. Okay, so that's typology. You're going to find it all over the Old Testament. I love Martin Luther. He said one time, give me any passage of Scripture in enough time, I'll find Jesus in it. Okay? I'll find Jesus in it. Yeah, Paul. Okay, the question is, review for us, how Jesus could be born sinless and then wound up dying. Well, he was born sinless. He was the Son of God. And what the formula of Concord and we, we obtain from Scripture is this. Mary was a sinful human being. We do not believe Mary was perfect or her mother was perfect. Okay? Mary was a sinful person. When the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, He separated the sin from her seed so that Jesus Christ was fully human only without sin. The Holy Spirit did that. Mary didn't do that. The Holy Spirit did that. He died willingly and voluntarily, even though he did not deserve death to pay for our sins. In obedience to his Father, he did not deserve death but he took it anyway to be our substitute and to take our sin away. that answer your question? Yes, he really died. He what? No, the grave could not help him. He had to die like us. He was our forerunner. He took our place and did everything we would have to do. So he truly died and was truly buried. And then. The scripture says three things. God raised him from the dead. Jesus Christ raised himself from the dead and the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. OK. says all the Holy Trinity was involved. If he stayed in the grave, we don't have a Savior. We don't have a Savior. Anybody in the Roman world can get yourself crucified and killed. It's really easy to do. It's the resurrection that makes the difference. And his resurrection basically says several things. First of all, it says that God accepted the sacrifice he made on the cross for our sins. If he had not, he left him in the tomb. Number two, all sins are forgiven. And number three, all that believe will rise from the dead just as he did. So without the resurrection... We got nothing, and and as we begin to talk about Adam as the type of Christ, we have to realize. Well, let's go on. Let's go on, and we'll see. It, okay, we'll see it. Um, let's see fourteen fifteen, and this is the the kicker. But. The free gift is not like the trespass. And here is where we're dealing with something different. Okay, if Moses was the intermediary to the children of Israel and was a type of Christ who would be our intermediary intermediary with God, This says the free gift is not like the trespass. Adam trespassed, but the free gift is different. So what we're going to embark on here is Adam is not specifically a type of Christ. He is an anti-type. He does the opposite Of what Jesus does. He does the opposite. He blew it. Jesus saved it. So the free gift. That Jesus Christ gives. Is not like. The trespass. Adam brought. Death. Jesus Christ. Brings. Life. So, he's a kind of type, he defines the world by what he did, and then, uh, so he's an anti-type. He did what uh, God did not want him to do. All right, so the free gift is not like... The trespass. Now let's go on. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace that one man, Jesus, abounded for many. All right. So, Adam was one guy, and he brought trespass, sin, death to many. Now, we have to realize that here, many means all. Okay? It means all. Okay? Everybody. It's a, it's a Hebrew kind of saying. Okay? The Hebrew kind of saying, um, one as opposed to many is one as opposed to all. it's a Hebraism. So we're talking about so Adam brought sin to all. Everybody. Jesus Christ. Okay. Jesus Christ brought, okay, uh, Jesus Christ brought the free gift, okay, much more the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So he brought, uh, it's listed two ways. It's talked about the grace of God and the free gift of grace. All right, it's the gift of God because it is totally undeserved and it is by God's decision that he would do it for us. It's a gift. It's a free gift. There are no strings or conditions that are attached. But how can it say that it was for the many, if Adam's sin brought death and sin to all, Jesus Christ, the free gift of grace, brought that free gift to all. Is Paul a universalist? Does he believe everybody is going to be saved? All right. All right we got more to talk about. We just get in deeper and deeper, don't we? We make the distinction, and the distinction needs to be made between what's called the objective justification and subjective justification. In objective justification, We believe and teach that when Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary and rose again, he did it for every person on earth. No one is excluded. No one is too sinful. Therefore, it is for all. He did it for everybody. Nobody's left out. That's what this is referring to. Subjective justification is this. It is there for all. It is offered to all. But everybody doesn't believe people reject what Jesus Christ has done for them subjective justification is the fact that the only one that receives what Christ did for them are those that believe in Jesus Christ and that's not everybody This verse is referring to everybody. Jesus Christ earned it for everybody. As Adam brought sin to everybody, Jesus Christ brought forgiveness and life to everybody. But there are people that reject it. There are people that reject it. Are you with me? Okay. All right. Uh, 16. And the free gift is not like the result of one man's sin. Here we have it again. It's not like. It's an anti type. Okay? For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. Okay? That was the. The, uh, the verdict of God, it was judgment. It was condemnation because of that one man's sin, and therefore all who sinned were under that judgment and condemnation. Okay? But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. There were so many sins, but even in the midst of that, God gives the free gift of justification. He declares you right with him through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ. So, again, not like. All right. and we've got death. We have Jesus Christ, and we have life. First Adam, and the second Adam. The first Adam did not do anything he was supposed to do. The second Adam does everything he's supposed to do. In not doing it the first time it brought death. In Jesus Christ now doing it, it brings life. Okay? Brings life. Yes. Raining. Yeah, some translations say establish, okay? He establishes you in life, okay? And you are established in life uh, because of what uh, God has done for you, all right? So uh, reigning in life... The reign of death is that if you're in that camp, you die. The reign of life is that if you are God's child, you live. Which kingdom? Reign is kingdom language. Which kingdom are you in? There is the kingdom of Satan, and there is the kingdom of God. There is no third alternative. There is no, I'm almost there. <laughs> Now, you're in one of the two. Yes, because, uh, yes, there is a component of victory in the word reign because Christ now reigns over death. He has the power over death because he rose from death. Okay? He rose from death. All right. Let's keep going here. 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Okay, one act of righteousness. It doesn't mean we have to pick, well, was it the cross or was it the resurrection? It's the total person and work of Jesus Christ. It's the total person and work of Jesus Christ. That's that's what uh, we're talking about here. So, brought leads to justification and life for all men again. We're talking objective justification. He earned it for everybody. For everybody. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Okay, so again, he's drawing all the parallels between Adam and Moses. Adam didn't do it. I mean, uh, Christ. Adam didn't do it. Jesus Christ did. Obedience. okay. His acts in his life. It's all uh, being explained by the Apostle Paul. Um, obedience. Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, Adam's. Problem and temptation was, if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. In other words, he wanted to be equal with God. Don't we all? Who here has not said at least once in their life, well, if I was God, things would change. We would love to be equal with God. That was disobedience. What was perfect obedience? Listen to this verse from Philippians 2. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Adam wanted to be equal with God. Jesus Christ was willing to put that aside for you. One is disobedience, trying to be equal with God. One is perfect obedience, being willing to give it up in obedience to his Father and for us. Okay? All right. Verse 20. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Okay, so... We had sin. Okay, we got sin. And it spread to all men. And there's death. Then comes the law. What does the law do? It counts. And it makes us look even worse. Because now it's credited to our account. There are specific transgressions. And they count. So sin increased. People before just knew they were sinful. Now they know how they are. Okay? And we know how we are. But where it increased, grace abounded all the more. And their word there is super abounded. Super abounded. In other words, it was much more. No matter how much sin it is, and no matter how much sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So there's nothing that is so sinful, grace is not up to the job. There is not the th- such thing as so many sins that grace can't overcome it. Grace superabounded over sin, over the law. Okay? And of course, since the time of Moses, we've all had the law, and so the law points out specifically where we have broken it... in thought, word, and deed. Therefore, the more we know about the law, the more we realize how much sin there is. There's an old saying among pastors, if somebody comes to you and asks you to hear their confession and you absolve them, be assured they'll be back. Because usually what happens is when you get absolved from your sins, you start thinking about, man, I'm, I'm, I'm worse than that. I've done more than that. I got absolved for this. What, what about all this other stuff? But grace always abounds. Grace always abounds. A pastor never has to tell anybody. I'm sorry. It's it's all dried up. None left. You're just too sinful. He never has to say, I've done this too many times. I'm not going to do it again. Grace always abounds. No matter what you've done or how much you've done or how many times you've done it, grace always abounds. And that's what this passage is telling us. All right. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Third time in this passage. Verse 1, 11 21 all end with the words, through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's only because of him. Only because of him. Adam is an antitype type of Jesus Christ. The guy who did it all wrong and the second Adam who did it all right one brings condemnation. One brings eternal life. And so Paul has sketched this out for us. And even though the term is never used in the New Testament, we have come to call this the passage about the second Adam. Okay? The second Adam. All right, questions. Questions? Comments. Bud? Is a comment on opening passage about rural sin affected the world? Yeah. That word cosmos. World. I don't know why they don't. It's cosmic. Cosmos is of a book. It's the universe. the whole universe. It is. Uh Cosmos is better because. I mean, there are, uh, it's not just the earth, it's all of creation. It's everything. Uh, It's the whole, whole shebang. Stars, moon, they would have no end under God's first creation. Now everything has an end. Even stars, moon, sun are going to come to an end at the end of time. Therefore, since they come to an end, they die. They are part of the corruption that came through sin and death. Yes. Yes. Yep. He just chose the old way. I mean, when a person is baptized. Okay. uh, Baptism conquers death. All death. You still have to go through physical death, but physical death is nothing more than a doorway to heaven. When you're baptized and then you have nothing to do with God, don't think that you're going to be able to understand the things of God ten years down the road from your baptism. Because if you understood the things of God... But you wouldn't be pushing him away. Okay. So, yes, it's possible to die again by rejecting the work of God. All right, other things? Yes. Yes. Right. The second death is eternal death. Okay? The second death is eternal death. Physical death is the first one. Second death is eternal death. If you overcome, and the only reason you can overcome is God strengthened you to overcome, you will not die eternally. You will inherit eternal life. Okay? Yes? Yes? It's a lot, isn't it? Yes. That is right. When the biblical authors wanted to stress something, they just said it over and over again. The more times you see a word, righteousness or gift, the more the end... That's why through Jesus Christ our Lord, three times in one chapter, they are emphasizing what is critical. And it, it, it is a thing that's just in the, the, the Greek language. It's in the Hebrew language, but they do it differently. So when God said, uh, we, we read, and when God finished creation, it was very good. There's no word for very in Hebrew. So what it actually says is, and when God created the world, he saw it was good, good. He used it twice. Okay? He used it twice. So multiple uses of words in short sections make you think, what are they really it's really clear what they're emphasizing here. Really clear. All right. Uh, next week, we start on chapter 6, and char- chapter 6 is all about baptism. All about baptism. So uh, it'll be a little different next week. So, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Okay, now, I want to make an announcement. All right. We are one week away from our last chance to have funds matched from a generous Lutheran Foundation grant for the ECC expansion. The grant is $70,000. That means we could have $140,000. 63,000 have already been matched. We have one week left to raise the remem- uh, remaining seven thousand. You can contribute. Any individual can contribute uh, up to one thousand dollars. Okay. We need seven more donors at a thousand each, or seventy at a hundred each. But whatever you give is going to be matched. Okay. ECC is also hosting a remote walk next Saturday. You'll get to choose your location. You can walk, sponsor someone to walk, or simply donate before Sunday the 28th in order to receive the match. If you walk, okay, then you'll receive a lanyard and also a race bib to wear so you can take a selfie in it, and everybody will know what you're walking for. So we can uh, turn another 7,000 into 14. So if you are inclined to do so, please, Bev is right there. Wave your hand, Bev. The director of the ECC, you need more information, see her. Write a check and give it to her. We could just lock all these doors, say, we're not leaving until it's done. Okay. All right, have a good week, and we'll see you next week.